Today, I've got a message that I really feel strongly about that I want to share with you, and I've titled it today, The Invisible Enemy. The Invisible Enemy. Today, I want to talk about something that most of us have dealt with, and it's a four-letter word. It's called fear. How many as a young child experience being afraid? Would you just slip your hands up? You'll, you'll admit, yeah, I was afraid as a little kid. You said, Pastor, I, I kind of am afraid as an adult now. Well, I want to share a story with you. When, when I was probably four or five, um, my family, uh, my, you know, my dad was a pastor, and we, we lived in the, uh, this house that had a community pool, and, and so my parents thought it would be a good idea if I learned how to swim. And so my sister, uh, Jeannie, some of you know who that is, she was a couple years older than I was, and so she was in a different group, and so we were we were separated from the swim team. And so I was afraid of the water because I had no doubt in my mind that I knew in the deep end where I could not see the bottom, there were monsters down there, and I was not going in the water of the swimming pool. Everybody else was having a good time. Everybody else was just smiling and laughing and having a good time except for me. The one lonely little boy standing there with his arms folded. I am not going in. My mom tried to get me to go in. My sister tried to me, tried her best to get me to go. Come on, Jeff, it's fun. It's just, everybody's having fun. I said, like, I'm going in there. And so this swim instructor came and he said, I want to invite you to come in the pool and go swim with me. And I looked at him like, have you lost your ever-loving mind? I am not going in the pool. I'm just, I'm just afraid. And he started to pick me up. He said, why don't you come with me and I'll pick you up and I'll, I'll hold you in the water. And, and have you ever seen when kids pick up a crawdad and those legs are just doing this? I think that's what I did. My arms and my legs were flying. I started screaming, and I was crying. I said, there was no way I was going in there. And he put me back down. And he said, well, I have an idea. Why don't you start by, when, you, when you're ready, just sit on the edge of the pool and put your feet in the water. And I said, okay, because that way it got him away from me. And so a few minutes after that, I thought, okay, everybody else is having fun. I looked, and I mean, kids are laughing and splashing and having a good time, except for me, because I was afraid of the monsters down on the deep end that I could not see. I put my big toe in the water, and nothing happened. I mean, no fish came and grabbed it. No monster came. I, I then, I said, well, that feels pretty good. And so I put my foot in the water. Ooh, that feels real good. And then I put my other foot in the water, and there was no monsters. I didn't go in the water that day except for my feet. But the next day, when the lessons were going, I took the plunge. And, man, it was so much fun. And I thought, I sure hope there ain't no monsters, but it sure feels good being in here. And fear has a way to dictate our life at times. And it stops us from being... Um, productive. It stops us from having fun. It it stops us from uh, what, in reality, what God actually wants for us in our life. There's an acronym for for fear, F-E-A-R. It's called false evidence appearing real. Maybe some of you have uh, experienced that in your life, false evidence appearing 
real. And there's people are afraid of a lot of things, aren't they? I mean, it's not just swimming pools. People are afraid of heights. How many are afraid of heights? Anybody? A couple? A few of you? How many are afraid of spiders? Uh, I got a lot more hands on that one. How about confined spaces? You're kind of claustrophobic. You're afraid of that. Yeah, some of you have two hands raised. How about public speaking? That, that's my fear. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> public speaking. Fear is this unpleasant and powerful, and it's, very often it's this emotion we feel when we anticipate that there's danger, you know, out of our comfort zone. And what is amazing, the disciples that were with Christ... They experience this in Mark chapter 4, and you can read this when you get home. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. They were in a boat, and they were in a storm. Not just any kind of storm, but a hurricane-like storm was going on. And they, they anticipated danger. And, of course, they were fearing for their lives. And to make matters worse, Jesus actually was taking a nap. And I don't know... If he was so tired that he didn't realize that there was like this horrible storm or if the boat just kind of rocked him to sleep, I I couldn't tell you, but I know this. He was taking a nap and naps are of God. And I encourage you to go home today and be like Jesus. Can I get a good amen somebody? See how I just kind of brought that in. Anyway, they screamed. Help, Jesus, don't, don't you care? We're going to drown. And Jesus said this to him. He said, he said, oh, you of little faith. And then he said this, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Notice that Jesus didn't ask them what they were afraid of. He asked them why they were afraid. In other words, how can you be afraid when I am here with you right now? And I believe that's the question that Jesus is asking us. Why are you so afraid when I am Emmanuel, God with us? I'm with you right now. And actually, there were three storms that were raging. (laughs) The first one, it was physical. There was the wind and the waves, the hurricane-like forces that were going on. But the, the second storm that was going on was emotional. They were experiencing fear. And the third one was actually a spiritual storm that was going on because they had the wrong theology. They asked Jesus, well, don't you care? Don't you care? Have you ever found yourself in that place? God, don't you care? Well, that's the wrong kind of theology. Jesus got up and he calmed all three of their storms. He calmed the wind and waves. He calmed their fears and he He corrected their theology. At least the disciples knew where to go in the midst of a storm. And you know what? Maybe we should follow suit. Maybe we should do the same thing and run to Jesus in the midst of our fears that we are experiencing. That invisible enemy that wants to stop us from our purpose. Spending time with somebody develops a relationship, doesn't it? And a relationship can breed trust. And so this is why I tell people all the time, you you don't want just religion. You want a relationship with God. You need a relationship with God. You can build trust. So why do we fear? 
because we actually lack confidence in Jesus. Sometimes we just, we know he can do everything, but we just lack the confidence to even ask him. But if you develop that relationship with Jesus, he's able to turn your fears into trust. And you talk about bringing peace. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Joshua 1 and 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I like that, don't you? Psalm 34 and 4. This scripture just spoke to me this week. Psalm 34 and 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from what? From all. Everybody say all. All my fears. Fear assumes and expects the worst. But faith assumes and expects the best. It's just the opposite. In fact, fear causes you to exaggerate the problem. How many were were raised in church? Would you raise your hand? Just let me see. How many were raised in church? How many have ever experienced a rapture scare? I hear some chuckling going on. I know of a family that the mom and dad decided uh, it was Saturday evening and it was, you know, the sun was starting to go down. And so what they did, they got their clothes lined out and put on the bed. You know where I'm going with this now. And they were laying it out. You know, they had their shoes and and what they were going to wear for the next day. So their clothes were laying on the bed. But they didn't tell their teenager, their young teen, that they were going for a walk. So when the teenager went around the house, Mom, Dad, you know, the TV's on, kitchen light's on. But there's no mom and dad. And all of a sudden, fear and panic happens. How many... How many has ever experienced that? My daughter is raising your hand. Put your hand back down. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. And it was amazing because he started to call some of his relatives that he knew that they would make it in the rapture. And they didn't answer the phone. He called another one. They didn't answer the phone. Panic upon panic began to happen. And finally, he got a hold of somebody that he wasn't sure if they're going to heaven or not. And he said, "Are you, has the rapture happened? Tell me the rapture did not happen. And the guy says, I sure hope not, because we didn't make it if it did. I mean, all of us have kind of had that fear where maybe growing up in church, because, I mean, back when I was a kid, you know, God was coming any second, that second. And I still believe the story. I still believe it. But when those scares happen, it it, it, it kind of sets you back a little bit because panic leads to more panic. As he began to call, a person couldn't get a hold of him, panic. He called somebody else, couldn't get a hold of him, panic. Here's what we need to understand. You can't feed your fear. You cannot feed your fear. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in your bed at night and you have the lights out and you hear a noise? What do you do? You begin to expect the worst, right? Panic leads to more panic. And then every little sound after that convinces you 
there is somebody outside your window with a hockey mask on. Right? You, you, you know what I'm talking about. Here's the thing. Fear can take root in your mind if you let it. And even though you're hearing these little noises, I don't know about your house, but our house makes noise. I mean, it's a talking house. And I, don't, I think the older the houses get, the more noise that they can make. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. It's just a noise. But if you're not careful, you can let fear take root in your mind. It will only grow if you don't keep checking it. You know what some people do? They, they fertilize their fear of, in, in the roots. And they just imagine and they meditate on worst-case scenarios. But I want to tell you what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive. How many thoughts? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when these thoughts enter your mind, ask God, God, is this from you? And if it's not, reject it. Because you need to remember that fear is a spirit. Say that with me. Fear is a spirit. Second Timothy 1 7. God has not given us what? A spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a disciplined or a sound mind. John 14 27. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And notice what he goes on to say. And do not be afraid. God is able to deliver you not from just some of your fears, but he's able to deliver you from all of your fears. Can I get a good amen? Thank you. First John 4 and 18. Perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear cannot stay where God's love resides. Are you catching that today? That, that's for somebody. Fear cannot stay where God's love resides. Your fear cannot cohabitate the same space with God's love. It, it can't happen because the Bible says perfect love cast out all fear. God doesn't say uh, if you're okay with this fear, do you mind moving out so I can move in? No, that's not what he does. In fact, he kicks it out. Perfect love drives out fear. And I've heard it all my life. I've heard this. Faith is the opposite of fear. But really, love is the opposite of fear when you think about it. Perfect love drives out all fear. So, what I want to share with you is your heavenly father is committed to see you through whatever it is that you're struggling with in the fear zone. And, and again, and if it's not from God, don't accept it. If it's not from God, don't accept it. Have you ever received a package in the mail that wasn't yours? You, what can you put on there? Return to sender. I, I did not order this. And, and this is the same thing that happens in our life spiritually. If, if it's not from God, you don't have to receive that. I don't receive the message that I'm getting right now because God is in control of this situation. I want to show you, and if you want to turn here to 1 John chapter 4. 
1 John chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 7. Because God is love. So if perfect love casts all fear, and you've got God in your life, well, God is love. If you have God, you have love. Let's read about 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. There, He, he just keeps saying that, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friend, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so we know and rely on. On the love God has for us. He says it again. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us. That we will have confidence. Notice this. Even on the day of judgment. In this world. We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Say that line with me. There is no fear in love. Let's say it again. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Did you catch that? You don't even have to be afraid on judgment day because God is love. And if you have God in your life, if you have invited him to live in you, you don't have to be afraid on judgment day. And that should make you very, very excited. Because you didn't pay for it. You didn't earn it. You just simply accept it. It's a free gift of what he did on Calvary. Well, I feel the presence of God in this place. Christ, who did not know any sin, became the sin offering so that we could become the righteousness of God. In other words, when when you repent and, and you give Jesus Christ your life, I'm telling you, the blood that he shed for you comes. It doesn't just cover your sin. It washes away all of your sin. No matter what you've done, you didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. You couldn't afford it. You would never be able to shed that kind of blood. But there's one who came to earth to die. His name is Jesus Christ. And he gave himself a sacrifice so that we could become the righteousness of God. Praise the Lord. I like that, don't you? And we exchange this sinful life. For the perfect one, what a great exchange. Aren't you glad for the cross? And aren't you glad for the resurrection? We're, we're going to be celebrating that in just two more Sundays from now. What we call Easter. We want to have communion together on that Sunday. We want to celebrate what God has done for us. So again, if you're str- still struggling with fear, don't get more bold, get more love. Perfect 
love drives away fear. Look at Romans 8 and 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. But I'm glad for that. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba is the same word that our children use today for daddy. So because the spirit that we received brought about adoption to sonship, by this same Holy Spirit, we're able to cry, Daddy. Almost feels uncomfortable, doesn't it, to, to call God Daddy. But he likes it. And it's in the word. Abba. Daddy. Papa. I've heard some preachers go as far and say it's like saying Dada to the young believer. God has adopted you. You are his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. Go ahead and say, Daddy, I'm struggling. There are monsters in the pool, in the deep, and I need your help. And you know what? When Whatever kind of fears that you're struggling with, and, and a lot of people fear about their salvation. I'm just, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. You will never be good enough to save yourself. Why don't you accept Jesus and what he did at Calvary and let him save you? Because that's Bible. That's the Bible. With that innocence restored, we now have confidence and we have peace in his protection. I want to end the message today with this illustration. I'm going back when I was young, I guess, this this Sunday. I'm giving some illustrations. But when I was young, and maybe you did the same thing, you would take a flower, and you could pull one of the petals off. And what did you say? She loves me. She loves me not. Anybody ever do that? Come on, be honest. Raise your hand. Let me see. It's not just me. She loves me. She loves me not. And if you get to the last one, and it's she loves me not, you know what you do? You look at the stem and go, she loves me. (laughs) There's always a way to get her to like you. (laughs) Well, and this is sometimes how we view God, isn't it? Well, he likes me today because I did good today. But Thursday, man, he didn't like me. Because I made a mistake. We view God the same way. God liked me. Today I'm in church. I get an A. But Monday I make a mistake. And I feel like he doesn't like me anymore. He doesn't love me anymore. You know what you should say? This is what you should do. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He loves me all the time. It's unconditional love. I feel the Holy Spirit 
And yes, you can get down to the last one. You can actually do this if I can pull it apart. Yeah, he loves me. He loves me. There's a song that we sing here and it says, your love never fails. It never gives up and it never runs out on me. What a powerful song. His love is consistent. His love is perfect and his love is never ending. Yeah. Justin's playing. Yes, Jesus loves me. No, don't know if you caught that or not. But I want to read one last scripture for you. Romans 8. And I, I love, I love this scripture. I, I love them all, but some mean a lot more to me. And, and this one really speaks to me. And it says, nothing. Would you say that word with me? Nothing. Let's say it again. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Thursday was a bad day, but he loves me. I messed up last year, but he loves me. I blew it in my life, but he loves me. Today, I'm going to ask you to let God fill you. And if you ask God in your life, It's asking love and perfect love drives away all fear. Yeah, you you blew it. You made a mistake. We live in a fallen world and there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. But the good news is God is for you. Who can be against you? And nothing can separate us from the mighty love of God. I want you to stand with me today. Let God fill you. And there there won't be any more room for the invisible enemy (laughs) called fear. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes and let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right here, right now, for all of us in this place that we would love To just fall in love all over again with you. You love us. You love us. You love us. You love me. You love me. You love me. You love me. So today, Lord, I I just confess my sin to you. I I just, I've done wrong. I, I don't have any excuses. But I want you to forgive me. And take the blood that you shed. And not just cover my sin, but wash away all my sin, God. Your word says it can go into a sea of forgetfulness. As old brother Tenny used to say, and he puts a no fishing sign. I thank you, God. Hmm. You're speaking to individuals right now. Lord, we confess you as our Lord and Savior. Jesus, you are God. You are Lord. 
Hallelujah. The Bible says, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise you, O God. Praise you. Nothing can separate me from your love. And when you were on the cross, Jesus, I was on your mind. And you loved me through the pain and the torment. And I accept your free gift of salvation right here and right now. Drive away every fear that I have. Take away every fear about facing judgment, knowing I I couldn't buy my salvation anyway. Could not afford what you did. A God of light comes and robes himself in flesh and lives on earth for 33 years to die. I thank you. I thank you for the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now every chain is gone. Every fear is gone. Because your perfect love casts out all fear.